Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at spartanforge.ai.
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 122. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by one of our best friends, Tim Seesock. Tim is an avid turkey hunter, so we figured we would talk a little bit about how his season has been going. He shared about his struggles thus far, how he's been using his e-bike for the season during chasing turkeys, but also scouting and how he used it during whitetail season. So kind of fun to hear uh, kind of our first guest talking a little bit how they incorporate e-bikes into their hunting strategies. Also, Tim chats about how he uh, lost a good chunk of land for whitetail season and how he plans to tackle the new ground and some other whitetail tactics, especially when it comes to scouting, summer stuff, and you know, kind of things that are going to be happening here very soon. And this episode is full of good information. We look forward to hanging out with you, bud, uh, in a few weeks at our PA TAC event. So enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. Antler up. But yeah, dude, what what's going on, man? What's what's new? What's uh, did you get out yet for out like what, what's the turkey season looking like for you? <laughs> the turkey season's terrible right now. <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but like around here, like where you know, I'm about 20 miles away from where I grew up, but it, I hunt kind of here all the way back towards where I grew up, and man, places that I used to be able to hunt different birds every single day and you can't even hear a gobble anymore. Really? And it seems, it seems almost, I mean, definitely like the population as a whole. Was, it was, just seems like this, this area as a whole, it's just, it's just decimated. Yeah. Like they're just gone. Well, the funny thing you say, uh, the same situation is going on in central PA. I mean, we got out on Saturday, my dad and I, and, same thing we nothing off the roost beautiful crisp morning you know one of those season openers that you would think that gobblers would just be hammering you know especially early on no one's hunted there was a youth season but there wasn't a ton of hunters in the area for that and i don't i i figured that it was probably predator maybe you know we have a lot of coyotes up on the mountain um because we couldn't really blame it on pressure yet and so uh, that was very unusual for that day. I've I talked to another guy that his buddy went out in same general location, but further up, and you know he said it was dead quiet. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, it's a mix. Uh, I I honestly think that you know they they got some type of bird flu or some type of disease, whether it's Lyme or West Nile or something where I think the population has kind of decreased and you know along with the last few years whatever is going on with the weather pattern it's just like April and May are just nothing but rain and it's just killing the hatch um, I was actually out uh, golfing yesterday and saw two sets of goslings um, with the geese and one had four and the other had two and to have that minimal of a of a hatch is just kind of a, a Debbie Downer for the turkeys as well because like geese you know you're usually looking at anywhere between like seven to ten goslings you know in a group and I don't know if it was just you know unique to that situation or if it's just 
it's it's a handful of things um you know obviously the wet cold weather isn't good for uh good for the hatch and then tie into the fact that nobody traps nowadays um animals like coons possums fox skunks like they're just rabid to um turkey eggs so you kind of put all this together and turkey really doesn't have a good fighting chance to populate or at least maintain population anymore and i think a lot of the gobblers learn pretty quickly that they need to be quiet you know i mean we take them not to be the smartest animal out there but i mean you see even with pressure towards the end of the season getting a a bird to gobble is very difficult yeah yeah i would definitely agree and i know you know the whole game commission's stance on it is they kind of let that breeding happen before the season comes in try and get some head spread before hunters start knocking off the gobblers that's always been part of the program so you know at least in this state you know our 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 season comes in sort of late as opposed to their breeding activity um so yeah I, i would agree that um the fact that there's not many birds around too it's it kind of limits your chance of uh trying to find a hot bird to begin with um you know back in the day i i could remember leaving birds in the woods goblin you know just because i knew i can leave that one and go find one that actually wants to play the game <laughs> and now it's like you know you gotta try and put up put the miles on just to find one i even remember just the past couple of seasons that's what always kind of rings my kind of interest a little bit of these studies and all that stuff because i remember looking at some photo cam like trail camera photos that we would got, get in the fall and there's multiple birds on it because of their you know whatever they have and the, the little ones in, in the fall but then it's like where do they go what happens like you said are you know are they getting the population just tore up with either disease or from predators and all that stuff so it's fascinating i just this year i've yet to get out i mean i've i will probably not get out uh just because of the way my schedule kind of aligns and, you know, one of those days either if a Saturday suits me well to get dialed in or try to get dialed in for <laughs> attack, uh, I'm going to try to shoot that one because, I mean, up to this point even, Tim, I mean, we're we're May 10th right now and I I haven't even uh, – put a new side tape on my bow so that's I'm, i have to get the, I, you know that's going to be uh you know that's more my priority than than going out chasing turkeys right now yeah i hear you i mean i probably won't shoot my bow much before <laughs> before attack and i'll still be swinging a fixed yeah you'll still well there. listen you'll still be shooting better than me so that'll be all right <laughs> um but yeah I, I think going off what you said i think it's a little bit of everything like they have turkeys have all this all these odds stacked against them in the in the corner here, and I think a little bit of everyone is kind <clears> of <throat> taking part of uh, of de-escalating the population. But I, actually, this year, so I put a I put a hitch on my ve- uh, well, I put a hitch on one of my vehicles and uh, got a new rack system for my quiet cat, which I had for a couple years. Nice. So that's been like my plan is just put miles on. I've been hunting. Big woods, I kind of expect not to find a bundle of turkeys, but I just figured if I could travel easily, you know, four, five, six, seven miles throughout a morning, you know, eventually I'll, I'll cross one. But I did the one morning, but I also ran into a couple guys. Quick story, I, I went up to uh, 
a property that's owned by a utility company, um, which pretty much hunts like public land. And uh, I got up there. I actually heard a bird on that property, and I was on on a separate property at the time. So I kind of made my way up there like a little bit like late morning, like around seven or so, quarter after seven, and got up on top of this hill. And I just sat there on the bike on the on the path, and I'm just listening. And uh, didn't call or anything, and I can hear. I can hear somebody calling with a hen and I could tell they were moving down the one power line that goes through there. So I just kind of sat cause the path I was on intercepted the power line. So I could tell that they were moving down in the intersection and eventually they were going to pop out. And it was two guys. One guy was in full camo. The other guy was in a set of jeans with a full on orange vest and an orange hat. And they're just like walking down the power line calling. So I'm like, well, that's probably enough for that bird. So I ended up uh, going up the mountain a little bit more and, and got back probably about another mile, half mile or so, and uh, got off the bike and, and one hammered like as soon as I made it like 100 yards away. I didn't even call. And uh, the bird was probably only 200 yards. And I snuck down. I probably cut the distance in a little less than half. It was probably 100 to 150 yards from the bird and just lightly started calling and nothing no response nothing showed up silent nothing i was just like this was just bad what what is your but, experience with the the e-bikes i mean what what have you found useful with them and uh, uh is it is it something you're going to take into the whitetail woods hunting and c- carry that on or is it something you're mainly using for turkey hunting running gunning scouting um so I've had it, I think this is already going on my third year with it. Um, I guess my third hunting season with it. So I, I got it at the end of like the first hunting season, I would say. I think I picked it up in like October or November because they were on sale. Um, I've been using it more and more, um, especially now that with both my vehicles that I have the capability to just throw it on. Because before I would just throw it in the back of the truck. Um, but if I had my company vehicle then I couldn't really take it and if i was going if i was hunting before or after work then it was almost impossible to have it with me so um now with the uh i got the the bike rack with it and everything that makes it's like on and off 15 seconds it's pretty slick nice um but i was mainly using it for uh checking trail cameras and uh i was using it for in certain areas where it just seemed advisable just to use it to get a get into my spots. I know there's a couple areas that I can actually run, ride right from my house. Um, so I would hunt archery like right from my house, just throw the bow on the, on the handlebars and just go. Um, so that was pretty useful. Um, it's been pretty slick for me to get into areas that have access where you don't really have parking. Um, cause I could just park like a mile up the road and then just run the bike down and scoot it off into an area that, you know, you can have access to but you may necessarily not be able to park next to um so it's been useful kind of opened up my <clears throat> couple opportunities that i didn't have before um, i think i have about 130 miles on it already um which doesn't seem like a lot but you know you can get pretty far and uh with you know being able to park somewhere and then just riding in you know whether it be a mile or so so i have quite a bit of hunts on it already um, but this is pretty much my first year I'm using it for Turkey where I'm actually like putting on a lot of miles and stopping 
and uh, calling. But the thing is, it is, it lives up to its name. I mean, it's super quiet. Um, it kind of endures everything. I the only thing I upgraded on it was the handlebars, um, just to like a more mountain bike style for like seventy bucks or so. Um, but I really have no complaints. The battery lasts pretty good. I probably get about 20, 20 miles to a charge. So it's uh, it's pretty slick. The only thing I would say I'd, I struggle with right now is just the uh, how, how to control my sweat um, in the deer woods. So trying to see what I actually have to wear, you know, depending on how intense the ride's going to be, depending on where I'm going. Um, just so it's just like walking in the woods, you know, trying to get up in a, in a tree. You don't want to break a sweat. Well, you also don't want to do that going on the bike. So, right. So yeah, it's, it's been an experience, but it's definitely, uh, definitely hasn't hindered me at all. Um, I'm still not sure of the rule on the game lands, but I've usually been hunting like state forest or, uh, um, just like coal company and utility properties around here. So let me ask you a question, Tim, how the, with the piece that you and I hunted together, how would you utilize it for that? I mean, obviously where say quote unquote, where we would park from there. Are you saying when you came up and met me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that one wasn't that bad of a hike in. I don't know yeah. if I would utilize it. Okay. Um, it's funny you say that too, cause we can no longer hunt that. <laughs> really? <laughs> so that which, was all coal company. That, that coal company one. Yeah. That yeah. was all coal company land. And, uh, they, ended up leasing like 800 and some acres to a, a club that I don't know, it's just filled with, uh, people that, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's not going to, it's not going to turn out well, but yeah, we pre- I pretty much lost all my local hunting ground over the last, Damn. this just a mu- about a month or so ago. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. But then in that situation, I don't know. I mean, we could have, you could have essentially rode up the field, you know, and, and kind of parked it at the field. Like I said, it's pretty quiet. I just bring a bike lock with me, string it up against a tree. Um, it does have uh saddlebags on it. You know, I can put all my, some gear in there. I usually, I have those Coplar, I think they're called Coplar. Those like ATV, uh, uh, like gun handles yep. Yep. where you can put the gun on it and strap it in. So that works for my bow and my gun. I have that across the handlebars. So I just put my weapon across the handlebars, throw my backpack on, and, and let it rip. That's sweet. It's pretty cool. We utilize mountain bikes <laughs> this past season uh, more so than than we had. And for the spot that we use it, I mean, that's really. I mean, I felt like we controlled our sweat pretty pretty well, and mm-hmm. and the, it it was really helpful. I mean, holy cow! I mean, obviously. You know, getting a there's certain spots where like like what you're using Tim would be ideal. I mean, no doubt about it. Like heck, even like we're yeah. in the summer for Dimitri and I. Like, could you imagine when the gates close and mm. there's certain spots and oh, just yeah. more opportunities? No doubt about it. Just I mean, the bike cuts it down. A mountain bike cuts it down. Just ha- having that electric bike would cut even I think that down even a little bit more. So yeah, yeah they're they're neat, man. So the, I, I'm really intrigued by them. The way this this bike works is it's uh you know, pet, a pedal assist basically. So there's, uh, five levels. So if you're on level zero, it's just operating like a normal bike. Uh, and then level one to level five would be the assist that the bike has as far as the, uh, the wattage or the horsepower that it's putting into it. So, and then I think it's also seven gears. So you kind of adjust your gears just like a regular bike, um, depending on how, 
how much exertion you want to put into the into pedaling and then this pedal assist kicks in but at level five with a full battery that thing will just take off at 25 miles an hour full throttle you can also use it without pedaling but i kind of only do that like certain situations where i really can't you know either my feet are constrained or just getting the bike started you could just press on the throttle and it'll take off that way but um yeah it's it's pretty neat you can get it up over like 30 miles an hour going downhill that's sick (laughs) now how how far can you go if you're doing kind of on level five uh full throttle and not pedaling how far will that take you I don't know. Um, I don't think they really suggest that just because it's too much on the battery. I mean, I think in little spurts, it's not a big deal. But if you're just like letting it open full throttle and not pedaling, I'm sure you're probably not going to get the the 20 to 25 miles that you could typically get. You're probably going to get half of it. Man, and, and anybody that owns land of some sort with any type of field or multiple fields, I, I mean, I think to maneuver and be oh. quote unquote mobile, that is like a game that is i don't want to say game changer because i know a lot of people hate that word but like that for sure could help you out tremendously yeah um there's one big the the big trail that the big rail the trail that goes up through here i mean that opened me up to like so many little spots that i can now access off of it because yeah you know, you could park. There was one spot that I ran cameras at where I parked at one of the parking areas and literally drove, drove the bike like 3.1 miles and then just put the bike up on top of the bank, strapped to a tree. And I was hunting in an area that really could not be accessed unless you came from, you know, clear the other side of the property, which is over a mile away. It's clutch. Um, so it's just it's just things like that that it's and that's what I started looking for too is trying to find little honey holes that you know people are going to get into. Well, especially um, now, like you said, with losing that property, that's going to help you out a lot. Yeah, it <laughs> definitely uh, it definitely has opened me up to uh, favoring myself to start looking in other areas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that you know half half of my time is probably gone you know in researching those areas and fine-tuning those couple areas so um it's kind of bittersweet hell yeah i you know this past year i i I didn't hunt out there anyway and i killed my buck more locally in a a new area so i kind of enjoy enjoy kind of starting fresh but yeah as for the turkey um i've been getting out seldom um i'm gonna end up going out tomorrow morning before work weather hasn't been ideal this past weekend it just rained for the whole weekend yep um it's been a little bit windy at the beginning of this week so um not saying that i wouldn't hunt that weather but you know if you don't know where birds are a windy day a windy day or a rainy day isn't going to put the odds any more in your favor if you don't know where you're at I think that the scouting plays a huge role. Like some people that we've seen either locally or within the area that are having success. I mean, you see them putting in the time as well. Like I was saying, I don't even have time to go out to hunt, let alone go listen to birds and all that type of stuff, just with the schedule and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, that goes to show you the importance of that side of things even go. A hundred percent. Um, in years past, as soon as April 1st hit the calendar, my, my alarm clock was set for five o'clock or if not earlier, depending on sunrise. But like I was mentioning before about the breeding season, like in April, I mean, the if the weather's right, the birds are just hammering all, all day. 
like it's easy to locate them. But I have, I had every intention the week before to get out there, and you know my workload just didn't allow for me to be having my ass dragging by two o'clock in the afternoon because I was up at four, you know. <laughs> so, I yeah, I got very little scouting in. I've been relying on a couple old school areas, and then uh, I've been just really been digging into Onyx and trying to find areas that I could pretty much utilize the bike and just extend my hunt. So, you know, find an old railroad bed or find a a nice game trail that you can just ride along and just call all day, you know? Yeah. What is your favorite kind of tactic for turkeys? Like, are you using any decoys or anything? No, I'm a, I'm pretty much very minimalist when it comes to it. Yeah. I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a very aggressive turkey hunter. I would say I'm not one that would just sit all day and just call in one spot. Like I need it. I need, I want to work a bird. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think when I was younger, I hunted with a guy and he basically said like, this is when turkeys were around the lot, but he was basically like, I won't kill a bird unless it's goblin at me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I've shot a few that came in silent on me and stuff over the years. I'm not that stubborn, but, uh, I, I like the, the game so i try and find that fired up bird and um even even at that like i'll 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 be moving all through all through that process too of, of working that bird if if i can get away with it i think one of my one bird one of my biggest birds i've ever killed biggest bearded birds i ever killed it was just under a foot um i killed that bird within like 10 seconds of sitting down on the ground like that bird was just like on top of me and it was like <laughs> if i don't sit down then i'm gonna get caught kind of thing yeah. Um, that's pretty much how, how I like to play it. Um, there's times where one of my favorite things to do is kind of get a bird really interested and then I'll start backing away almost like, uh, you know, like I'm, like I'm done, I'm over you. I'm going to play hard to get. And, uh, that's how I killed that bird was I just, I got in his face, I started working away and he was, he was closing the distance much, much faster than I was trying to work away from him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I don't, typically use decoys because i'm not typically hunting fields it's mostly hardwoods um or restored coal coal lands which is right. you know a mix of of uh usually uh prairie grasses and some smaller immature trees but uh i'm strictly i actually think I, i'm like packed super light because i i only really carry a small little um almost like a camelback <laughs> with my license and some extra shells and what maybe some gloves and that's about it. <laughs> what's, what's, what's kind of been your go-to call? Because I mean, f from someone that used to make his own calls, you know, what, what's your go-to right now? I, I still make them for myself. There so you go. I just, yeah, yeah. I still dabble with <laughs> it. Um, I, I have, I have a little mini press that I use now to make them, but I sold like the commercial presses that I had, um, so I could still make mine, but before, when I had the commercial one, I made, I must've made a, I don't know, 30 of them or so, but I'm, I'm on the same one for three years. As long as you take good care of them, the, you know, you can make them last. Yep. Um, every so often I'll buy one. If a new company comes out or something, I'll try it. But there's only so much you could do with those things to, for everyone to try and claim that they're doing something a little different. You know? Yep. Well, I was going to say, but, too. yeah, that's, Tim, you always you like to play hard to get with the ladies too, don't you? 
<laughs> I guess it's a tactic. I don't know how successful it would be nowadays. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. That's good, man. I, I No, because, like, I mean, for all the times we've hung out, I mean, we've talked about turkey hunting, but we never, like, we didn't even have a chance to really dive into it on a podcast or anything like that. We've done Get Ready for Utah. We've done our Utah trip. We've talked, you know, your highly successful whitetail stuff. So it, it, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I haven't heard from Tim in a while. Let's get Tim on the line. Let's talk a little bit turkey hunting. Let's talk about, you know, some scouting stuff that you've done and, uh, you know, some other things for next year. But, yeah, man, I'd, I mean, what's – what? because uh, you usually go – you were in Tennessee last year for – uh, going out for birds, weren't you? Uh, last year was New Mexico. That's it. Um, I've, I've, I've traveled quite a bit around for, for Turkey over the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. I think I probably killed birds in about 10 States or so across that time. Um, one of the best, one of the best States, one of my most successful States was Kansas. I never left there with a, with a tag in my pocket. Um, Nebraska was always a blast, but I had a buddy who went out there. Um, he was actually going to Wyoming and got snowed in on, so he bounced over to Nebraska and said, like, there was, like, 20 guys to every bird. Wow. So I, th- I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see it in the West in, in the fall, too, but it's Nebraska for a while has always been a, a, a solid turkey state because of the population and just because you could shoot hybrids, you could shoot Merriams, Rios, Easterns. It kind of has a little bit of everything. Um, totally different terrain to hunt. So I, I always preferred to hunt like Western Nebraska and I'd hunt the Merriams. Um, but that was, that was a great place. Tennessee was a great place. Um, South Carolina was a place that I, they, I went the year that they cut back the tags. It was actually COVID, um, kind of came out initially and I was shut down with work and pretty much just left and with no intention to come back. And I was just working in my, working at camp basically when I wasn't hunting, like I'd hunt in the morning, come back and work and then I'd go back and roost birds for the next night or for the next morning. Um, but I, I ended up leaving there without a bird, but, uh, it was a pretty cool state. I would definitely go back there, but they were definitely suffering too with, uh, as far as population goes, Yeah, they cut back their, uh, their harvest, the, you know, the amount that you can harvest down there. I forget what it was and what they cut it to, but, um, I had intentions this year to to go someplace and it just didn't work out. There was just no way I could take time off. Yeah. It's tough. So yeah, yeah, it is. Yes. Yeah. I wish I had some better stories for you from this year, (laughs) but, uh, I think I only hunted three days, maybe two or three days. So no plan. Now it's going to start to green up here in a little bit too, like between the rain now and we're getting warm weather this week. So, it's going to get green really fast. So I'm, I'm hoping within the next week or so probably be the best chance to go. I know a lot of people that kill them late in the year, but I'm usually done by mid May. I'm usually always like trying to take advantage of uh, the open hardwoods and trying to take advantage of the time of year to where these birds are still going to be easy to work, but we'll see. I guess I got to find more, (laughs) find them to kill them. Yep. Do you kill all your animals early in the season? or? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is that a dick to my whitetail? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're mid October, yep. you know, mid May, you're never going my, down to October, the water. I, I just like, uh, proving that October lull wrong. That's all. Yeah. But, uh, no, I definitely, I definitely do. I don't think I've killed a turkey very late 
ever, though. Probably the latest was maybe the 20th. Um, I, like, I like the story Dimitri killed a, b- a bird a couple of, I mean, I, how long ago was that with that one you got late, that, that one story when you just rounded that corner? Oh, yeah, that was years ago. Yeah, I like that story. That That's a cool hunting story. But, what, what time of year was that one at? Oh, that was that was when you could, you know, the second half of the season, you can hunt all day long. Oh, you can hunt all day, yeah. So that was probably a week, like to 10 days before the end of the season. So, you know, that wow. last yeah. week or so. So, I mean, where, where I used to where i used to live i mean there like i said there used to be birds all over that that area but not so much anymore but i remember going to work the one day and like it was like first two weeks of it was in the first half of june and there was just a bird on the road in front of me just hammering and i was just yelling to him out the window and the bird was just gobbling at my voice like just completely harassing this guy and he was just all fired up and gobbling just driving me it was like a week into june it's crazy me, yeah. Even, I mean, even my dad said he's because my dad loves turkey hunting, and he goes, "Jared, I haven't heard a bird, I haven't seen a bird." He goes, "I haven't even gone out." You know, he has like no. I mean, back at like even up on the club, I remember as a kid. I mean, we would get one all the time as a kid, and like just going up there, my brother and my dad, like we would see them all the time. And man, it's been the last fifteen, sixteen years, and it's like no birds up there at all. Yeah, yeah. I just. I don't understand why nobody's really like talking about it. I guess I saw an article in the Pennsylvania outdoor newspaper, how it was saying this was going to be a good year for turkeys and there's going to be more than last year and so on and so forth. And, and maybe there is, but I think like overall, if you, if you go and look at the harvest uh, records over the last few years, I mean, it just dropped off. I mean, I'm in cuts by like 50%. Yeah. Like it, like it's insane. Well, that's what I was looking at that same magazine this year. My father-in-law actually gave it to me, and I was diving through it and looking even just around some of the counties or the the units that are around us in central PA. I couldn't believe how low the success rate was, Uh, and I think those numbers were coming from last year, which was pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I'm sure there's pockets of of birds where – you know, if they're there every year and there's still a, a suitable population, like they're going to be there. Um, I don't, I don't have that kind of luxury when it comes to it. Like it's, it's big wood stuff, but um, I'm sure there's regions of the state where the birds doing really well too. Um, I actually thought your area was still hanging in there. I mean, I remember traveling out there a couple of years ago and hunting kind of right around where you guys are um, before I actually like formally knew you. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, there was, there was a decent population there, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure there's some areas throughout the state where, you know, you could talk to someone and say, oh yeah, nothing's changed. There's still 15 long birds that are in the field, you know, but it was, it was what Dimitri, like early April when I told you, like I drove by a couple fields early in the morning and there would be tons, but I mean, that it was one or two days like that. And then poof. Every time I would drive by early in the mornings and stuff like that, I would see no birds. I mean, this is private property too, uh, Tim, that I'm talking like. I mean, I'm yeah. up in different fields you could see. And uh, I am I mean, I didn't. I haven't really seen many. I saw um, last week, I saw a dead one on the side. Uh, that's 
<laughs> I mean, that's, that's you're, a, you're not even really seeing that either. Yeah. Like you're not, I mean, when they were some around, you'd see a handful of them, especially this time of year, because they get dumb a little bit. Yep. And, uh, you know, you'd see them on the side of the road. I haven't even, I've seen one and it was probably two weeks before the season even came in. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. We'll keep, we'll keep struggling away with it. It's almost like you don't even want to shoot one, you know, <laughs> to a certain degree. I know. How about it? What, uh. What what uh what's going on right now? Like with the whole like you said losing some property. Like where, what's your game plan going in for next season or for like now scouting and summer and all that type of stuff? Um, I wish I knew because I'm still kind of up in the air. Um, with uh, just like I I plan on staying here. Um, where I'm living for a little bit longer before trying to figure out where I'm gonna plant my next set of roots here. Um, but. I'm still going to put some time into where I shot my buck last year. Um, and part of that is uh, some water company land and it's pretty vast and you can get lost pretty, pretty quickly. So it's kind of helpful for the bike. Um, so I think I'm just going to kind of, uh, go off a, a couple areas that I've already put some scouting time in over the last year. Um, I mean, you, you saw some of these bucks that I yeah. had coming around last year and it's, it's insane. I wish I would have gotten out to shed hunt. I think I found about six or eight sheds this year, um, but nothing, nothing huge, yeah. nothing that was e- that would even be a good buck this coming year. So, um, so my intel on that end is is kind of uh, kind of null. But um, my plan is to pretty much probably utilize the bike as much as I can and the saddle. Um, now that that I lost a lot of this land, I do have some tree stands throughout that area that I got to get out and don't plan on really putting them anywhere at this point. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm just going to boost up my, uh, my, my camera inventory here and, uh, maybe I'll dip into the cell cam if it seems, seems reasonable. I'm going to try and put more, put more time into New York, uh, this year. I keep saying it and I never do it, but, um, I would definitely like to, if I do go the cell camera route, at least with one or two of them, that'll probably be a, a far distance, either New York or just another property that's not easily yeah. accessible for me during during a weekday. No doubt. What um, well, dude, I have no doubt in my mind. No matter what, it's going to be that first or second cold front of October, and <laughs> you're going to be like, "Here you go," <laughs> in our group chat. No doubt about it, man. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I- I can only hope that it works out that way. Take the pressure off. How about it, dude? Um, yeah, I, I mean, we're trying to, we're hoping to pull a tag in Colorado, so I'm going to focus on that probably quite a bit throughout the summer. Um, For mule deer, as far right? as behind, Yeah, as far as behind the screen. Um, but the, if we don't do that, we do have some backup plans, but I would like to get somewhere for Whitetail again. Last year I went to Ohio for uh, – a long two days of hunting, I believe it was. And, uh, I'd like to get back there, do something local with you guys. Yeah. Something. We should even, uh, throw everybody into some big woods on a weekend or something in PA and do a little mid October cold front hunt. Yeah. I know, uh, like Troy Dietrich's from, like with the Dietrich outfitters, uh, he has land. I forget where it is up in, it's more, I think Northern 
Pennsylvania. Bradford. I believe somewhere oh, around Bradford, there. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, he invited all of us. I mean, he's like, yeah, just, you know, get, get a head count and let's, we got to get a weekend down to, to do that. So yeah, man, I, it, what's been great is a lot of people want to do that um, and get together and just do something and just have a good time. And it, like, it just needs to work out. Like I think kind of like what Demetri and I have been saying, it's just like, you just have to pick that date and just go. You know what I mean? And just say, here, hey, this weekend, this is what we're doing. Like, kind of like when I came in with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just this yeah, is, this is yeah. what we're doing, whether it's hot as balls or, or not. You know what I mean? We just got to kind of make that go. And, you know, like kind of what we're saying, too, for going to Ohio this year or wherever, you know, whatever ends up happening. Like, we just, hey, this is the time frame. And Pennsylvania. Yeah, you just do it. Yeah, just got to do it. Yeah, regardless of weather, because like I played that game with with my trips, like just because of the flexibility with work at times. I'm like, oh, weather doesn't look good. Maybe I'll just push it off until next week or or something. And then something comes up, and then you end up not going at all, or you know, whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. You just gotta put it in there and just block it out. And and I'm good with that. Back in the day, I'd be like years ago, I'd be like, you couldn't you couldn't ask me to do anything during archery season. Whether it was hunting related or not, it was just like set in my ways. I'm just like, nope, this is what I'm doing. I need to have this stand at this time with this wind. And that's what I'm doing. I, it didn't matter. You could have invited me to like a private farm or something. <laughs> I was like, I was like just dead set on what my plan was. Now that I got a little older and a little bit more mature here, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just do whatever. Cause at the end of the day, it, you know, it, it, I don't let the pressure get to me anymore. Like, oh, yeah. I got to kill that buck or yeah. I got to punch that tag like i used to yeah i know it's that's some like honestly i mean like when shit the three of us went to utah how fun like how fun of a trip like i mean there were moments that where it's like damn we could have had a shot or had an opportunity or, or whatnot but in the grand scheme of things like dude i i missed that trip like that was a trip of a lifetime for me and just the adventure and the drive and i don't know hanging out with you guys like that's just something that I'll, you know, we'll never experience it till we do it again. You know what I mean? And yeah. I mean, that that's, that's my, that's, that's the stuff that I love about, you know, hunting in general. The, the thing I liked about that trip was all the spontaneity. Like yeah. we, we had this, we had a plan. And then once we got there, we were like, okay, change of plans. Like we've <laughs> never been there. We've never been in that unit. And we went from more or less a high country, like back high back country hunt. <laughs> to a <laughs> truck camp hunting these little pockets in these little valleys amongst the, the mountains where all the deer were just herded up. Like it was just completely 180 from what we intended to do. <laughs> yeah. And the greasy pig. <laughs> and, uh, still yeah, not a it was, uh, yeah, still not a sponsor yeah. <laughs> to greasy pig. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, but who would have thought we'd be like eating at a restaurant halfway yeah. through the week? <laughs> Dude, that I'll wasn't my intention. No, it wasn't. But I'll tell you what, though, that bathroom really helped out <laughs> that middle of the week. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, no, no. What if being able? Yeah, it was. It was a good. Uh, it was a good intro for you guys too. Yeah. No as doubt. far as in, in, into that type of style of hunting. No, I. I mean, and and that's the other thing. Like I, I'm, I'm intrigued and really looking forward to a time where we could go out and do that high country backpack like hey we're not going to see civilization until we 
leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, I'm, I'm also intrigued to that. Like no doubt about it. And you know, I, I give you a hell of props for doing that. Like by yourself years ago before it was, you know, I, I guess cool. Um, <laughs> but like, but like seriously, like right now, I, I mean, that would be, I mean, man, that's like, I, you, would I do it by myself? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't know. Like I, I just, like I, I could do it, but I don't know if I really would want to do it because, you know, I, I've already experienced sharing hunting camp with you guys or whoever it be. And like, dude, that's, that's a freaking blast. You know, I, yeah. that's just me. You're right. Cause I kind of did it opposite. I started doing pretty much a, a more solo thing and then, then I experienced the camaraderie with it. So now I'm like, would I go back and do it solo again? I, I mean, maybe, I mean, if it comes down to going solo or not going at all, I'd do it, yeah. but, uh, probably would not ever go so elk hunting again i don't know maybe but it's not i I don't recommend it yeah yeah it's not as cool as it's i I mean we were trying to we were trying to prod you guys into coming to uh colorado Colorado. with us and for you guys can hunt elk i know that's i think that was over the counter in that area yeah 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 never know be about 2500 3000 feet in elevation difference yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no nah, man that's that's good but hey like you were saying maybe we could get something for uh pa or shit ohio or new york or something yeah yeah you gotta make it through tech first in yeah. a couple of weeks there oh boy <laughs> hey man listen this is gonna be a freaking riot so us three jim freaking brock uh aj from knights of the apex and we got Bill hopefully is a game time decision of just coming down and hanging out Friday night. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. If he learns to shoot lefty, I'll share, I'll share my, my uh, pass with him. He I can think shoot he, half the course. Is he, a, he, I don't think he's lefty. Is he? I don't know. <laughs> he might be. That's good. I, I hope he makes the trip down. Cause that, yeah. that would be I mean, he's not yeah. shooting. Like he just might come down, hang out, shoot the shit and, and yeah. sleep get probably just completely black out. Do you, th- do you think we need to pull a saving Silverman and go steal Tom away from his wedding and bring him, bring him back to shoot or what? I don't know. I'm I'm in that wedding that following week, so you guys won't won't feel the wrath from it, but I would. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh man, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah bad timing on that on that end but uh hey we were saying yeah. we're, we're we're all gonna like crash it <laughs> yeah come up i'll give you all the details <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's good yeah i mean w- trail cam wise like w- what is your time frame of when you're getting those out in the woods you said you kind of want to increase your intel as far as getting more cameras out there is there a time that you kind of pinpoint of when you want to get those out and start gaining that intel of inventory of what bucks are in the area? Um, I've never put them out super early. I used to be pretty faithlessly um, put them out the last weekend in June um, when these racks are pretty established uh, as far as like the frame. Um, so I, I'd like to say I'll shoot for them, but um, last year I don't think I had them out until towards the end of July. Um, so I, I pretty much put them on crossing routes and trails and 
we've talked about that before, yep. but that's pretty much where my, uh, where my cameras, my camera Intel comes from is mostly uh travel routes. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll probably be that late June, early July stance. Um, and the ones that will probably go in first are the ones that are probably pretty much repeat areas where I kind of know I can get one out there at the end of, at, in the, at the end of a work day where I'm not trying to spend myself scouting and trying to find that best place. Do you, um, do you happen to know of the, like the, the bucks that you had on camera, do you happen to know if any of them were shot by chance? I don't know. There wasn't much hunting pressure around here. Like I said, I'm kind of new to the area, so it's kind of, uh, it's, I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I, it's not an area, it's an area that people come from, other, like, I didn't see two guys in a pizza place local to the area, like, that were from, like, Philly, you okay. know? Yep. So, like, I don't think there's a whole lot of, like, residential hunters. So, with COVID and everything, a lot of uh, New York and New Jersey people, came in here um which is kind of not great in certain aspects but on the hunting aspect <laughs> you know there's not many hunters that come from the city of new york so uh so the hunting pressure has wasn't bad um in the areas that i was in but it's not like back home where like if somebody shoots a buck everybody knows about it at the bar so so i couldn't even tell you yeah um what what buck survived and what didn't and i i typically pull my cameras before rifle season um just because you know i, I try and prevent them from theft from people right. being in the woods yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued man to see what like if you throw up some in some of those areas again just because man like you had some beauties yeah yeah i mean there's uh, there's definitely two bucks that I can recall that if they made it and they're healthy and they're going to grow again, they're going to be one sixties. Like absolutely. I mean, they were every bit of one forty this past year. I mean, there's, they could put on 10 to 20 inches this year. If, if, if all is perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just having, having them on camera would be perfect, you know, just to get a, get a visual of them but there was one buck that i sent you remember that velvet buck that uh he was pretty i think it was august mid-august okay. okay. he, he was not far from the house here he was not typical yep he was right outside the back here yep he was huge he was i don't know 13 points 14 points yep had like a third main beam yep that was the only time i saw that deer that deer i did not see that deer around the area ever again wow except for that day so you know kind of like what you know especially in velvet like you would expect to see him around a couple times yeah i mean there were bucks that i would see every night you know i usually go out and scout out of the vehicle and either the spotter or binoculars on some of these open like the gas line or the water line and stuff and i'd see the same buck over and over again but i could i never found him ever again i saw him that one day and that was it like that's a deer I would love to have a collar on or like see his study on just for the sole fact of like, he's probably not getting a lot of pressure around the house one and two, I'm sure you have a good amount of does nearby. So like, what the hell does he have to travel for? Yeah. Do, well, like, I think, you know, I, Jim, Jim came up to hunt this year and that, that was what's kind of like uh bittersweet about living where I am. Cause right now I'm in a development. 
Yeah. And this development is pretty much surrounded by public land. Um, but within the development, the, do- the does just hold up here. Right. And you usually won't see a good buck. You may see one passing in October sometime, but like when the, when the rut's on, I mean, those bucks are off the public land. They're in the development. So it's, it's, it's like almost backwards, you know, <laughs> where like the beginning part of the year is probably your best time to kill that deer because he's still trying to find his hiding spot. He's setting up his, his territory a little bit, but like once these does start popping off and they're like checking through this community because the does don't leave, they have cover, they have food, they have water, they have everything they want. They don't go anywhere. And then these deer start coming into here and you can catch them transitioning between some of their deep bedding areas and back into closer to the development. But, um, that was pretty much like my cameras around like the public land, like right around where I live here the rut activity was pretty null. Like it was just, the, the cameras just went like off dead. Like there was little to no activity. Um, but the cameras that I had like deep in public land there, they actually picked up the, like it was nowhere near where I lived, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of opposite. It's kind of, so like my tactics changed a little bit. I had a couple, a couple stands, like kind of on the edge of the public land that were super hot early in the year. And then they cooled off big time come later in the year. Yeah. Cause I just always, I find it fascinating because you hear about that transition period. You hear about like, Oh, you know, once, you know, some deer lose that velvet, they're off and, and there's studies like you see that, but then what makes some deer just be home bodies? Like I just, like when you think about the buck, Demetri, your dad shot, we get him or we had him on camera always in the summer and we would have certain encounters with him like what like during the season and then boom like i like he didn't seem to venture very far away at least these last couple of seasons so it's like where do like he he found little nooks and crookets you know cricks to go through or whatnot but like man he he probably didn't travel that far though no, I, I mean, he kind of went off camera a little bit, but I, I he probably wasn't very far. Right. He just kind of changed his pattern a little bit where he wasn't going through the same transition areas. Yeah. Um, but I think just once they get mature, they kind of know where they're safe and yeah. that's where they're going to kind of hold up. That's that's what I like. That's the shit that like keeps me up at night. Mind boggles you. Yeah. 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 Like like that's over where the, over the yeah. years. I I know like just from doing trail cameras for however many years now I used to lose a lot of buck as soon as they would shed velvet and it was until I started finding like almost like trying to pinpoint exactly where they're betting that I'm starting to retain a lot more deer through that losing the velvet stage okay so now like these bucks you know 100% of the bucks all lose their velvet I'm now probably losing 20% of those bucks off camera as opposed to probably 75 back in the day. Right. And I think it's just a matter of figuring exactly out where, where they're betting. And again, it comes down to where they're going to kind of set up their territory too. So some will get pushed out. Um, some of these smaller bucks will get pushed around, but like it, it, I also believe that there's areas that some of these older bucks, no matter there, there could be a buck, an older, you know, four or five year old deer that's 20 miles from me right now. But every year during the fall, 
he comes in here and he's going to come back here just because that that's what he yep. does. Yep. Um, so I, I firmly believe that that'll happen too. Yep. Um, you know, so being, <laughs> being kind of new out into this area and only running cameras out here for like a year, year and a half. Um, I really had like my first round this past year of the bucks that were here. And it was like, I've had, I had more big deer than I have like small bucks. So hopefully that keeps up. Hopefully I found a couple of those areas where these bigger bucks are going to try and come back to just because that's what they do religiously year after year. Yeah. Now, how do you go about trying to find that buck bedding? Just because, you know, we hear it all the time. You hear people setting cameras up to try to find how they're transitioning in and out of this bedding area. Is this just something you got to learn over time or put boots on the ground and, and find, you know, whether you're finding sheds or signs and kind of dictate this is probably where that buck's bedding. How do you go about gaining that intel with your scouting? Yeah, I, I think for me it's mostly it's mostly boots on the ground. I mean, I can I like to start looking at the area on topo maps, you know, but until you, in my mind, get out there and really start looking for them and start put, putting deer up, a lot of times, you know, over these next few months is when you start putting deer out of their beds too. Um, you know, March, April, May, um, and start trying to figure out. Once if I put a deer up, I'm kind of going in there, especially this time of year, and going in like, well, okay, what, what's this deer doing in here? Should they have been laying down? Is it laying down? Um, those areas or those times where we have a little bit of snow on the ground, you can see where the beds are melted. Like that's ideal. Yeah. Like you can just, um, I think, we're, you know, obviously we're past that point in this year, but, um, most of it too, I, I look for that thick, nasty stuff that has great trails coming out of it where, you know, the deer's not going in there to feed. So, if anything, it's going to be a bed, and then I'll usually throw the camera on it. And nine times out of ten, you know, you can watch that timestamp to see when that deer's going in, when that deer's going out, and get lucky enough that you're picking the right trail. But uh, for me, once I kind of identify that, though, I'm I'm done. I'm not. I won't step foot in there. I don't. I don't care for any reason. Like I'm from the time I put a camera in there until the end of the season after I shoot my shoot a buck or something, I'm not going in that, that bedding area. Cause I do, I knew know a lot of people that try and push the envelope and try and get in close to the bedding and stuff, but it's just not worth the risk for me with the scent and just possibly blowing that deer out. Cause if you have a deer that's been in there for a couple of years or using that, utilizing that bedding area for a couple of years and he senses something's up as opposed to, you know, the last couple of years, then, you know, he could he could essentially move on well you you talk about setting up your trail cameras on trails the trying to get that movement um of that buck how far away from that bedding are you setting up that camera to gain that intel whether it's daylight movement uh nighttime movement is that you know, hundred yards from the bed, fifty yards up tight, right out of the of the thick stuff. Where are you setting up your trail cameras on those trails? I think it's terrain associated. Um, so a lot of times, I'll chase I'll chase a trail until it has a pinch point, or it has some type of uh, change in elevation where it might, uh, you know, there might be a cliffed out area where you can almost create a bench where you know that trail is going to be 
because again, you want to you want to put your camera on a trail that's basically a, a main trail that's a feeder for other trails. You know where these things are all coming into, so that you're picking up the travel corridor. Um, and I, when I say main trail, I don't. I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a two, double-sided sword in in that you know there's definitely main game trails that's used by everything, but then there's also main trails that bucks use that. Um, Jeremy and I talked about this pretty extensively before, um, where bucks are using different trails as opposed to other deer. Um, so you're trying to use, find that trail. Um, so it gets a little convoluted, but um, what I've been struggling with here, um, where I've been hunting, is it's super thick and it's super flat, per se, compared to what I hunted back in. So I'm on top of a mountain instead of hunting like sides of the mountains where I grew up. So so here I find myself being super close to the bedding with cameras and, and and everything because it's so thick. So you're trying to just look for that opportunity where the woods open up to the point where you can get a, tr- get a camera on there. But you also want, like, if that turns out to be a decent corridor, you want to at least be physically able to get a stand and, and hunt out of it. So that's where I struggle here. Like, there's some great spots that I found around here, but to actually physically hunt it, um, it's almost impossible. Interesting. I just wrote, yeah, I just I wrote a couple of things down on that one just because it tailors to me back at home a little bit too. But like yeah, that, being more so on top and finding that thick nasty stuff where they could be bedding and then where's it open up? Because ironically, uh, Tim, I last time I was home, and this was a couple of weeks ago, it was like around Easter time. Uh, I found kind of exactly what you just said. And I found a good amount of sign that was definitely made this past season. So, you know, I threw a couple of trail cameras in there and just marked a couple of different spots of where I could maybe sneak in and found a couple of trees and, you know, I, you know, being that I, it's private, I threw on a attack on a tree just so that way, okay, boom, that's a tree I know I could get up and that would be a good, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That type of stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm, that's really good stuff just because again, I'm trying to piece that puzzle together and where, where those couple big boys are, are living, especially that, that, that nine from this year. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like what killed my buck this past year was just being on my feet. Yeah. Um, it was an area that I had a camera in, but I didn't really scout the entire area. So when that kind of, that camera kind of went dry, realized that that buck's pattern changed. It was a matter of me just getting in there and trying to figure it out on foot. Um, the same day I was hunting and you know, you're starting, you start to break apart the area a little bit and start to understand what the vegetation's like. And you can, kind of assess okay it's likely he's gonna he was coming through this direction all the time when he came off my camera so maybe he's up here and then you go up there and it's kind of starting to get thick and now he's like all right he could possibly be better here and then play the wind direction and everything else and it just so happened that i just guessed right that that day that i popped up you know probably yeah. not even 100 yards from the bedding area and he stood up and walked down past me you know yeah it just so happened that he was laying in there yeah uh but having not stepped foot in, into that area at all throughout the year probably benefited me because he probably 
he could have been utilizing another bedding area or utilizing the area where I had my camera. But for me going in and out of there, I hunted it twice before. Um, I was in there throughout the summer checking the camera. Um, he easily could have picked up on something and, and kind of reassociated himself uh, amongst where he didn't go far, but he went, he was betting three or 400 yards further away than what I anticipated him being. Right. Right. So it, it's definitely, um, I've definitely been more successful when I've been trying to take more of a analytical approach to it and trying to really understand how they move about the area rather than just saying, Hey, there's sign here. This is a good spot. I'm just going to go with it. Cause like where I shot that buck, I mean, there's not a rub. There's not a scrape. There was nothing in the area. There was one rub that I marked on the way into that area. That, and I think it was like over a hundred yards from, from where I actually killed the deer. Like right. it wasn't that I was hunting the hot sign in that situation. So, what about you? You've hunted on Ohio, New York, some other out-of-state uh, whitetail areas. Now's the time that people are kind of thinking about what they might want to do out-of-state and kind of coordinate, uh, looking at maps and and I I think the thing that I've found, especially for whitetails, we kind of ran into it in Utah for mule deer, but even uh, easternly for whitetails is we're you're always going to encounter pressure no matter what time of year you you go into i've, I've kind of learned that if you're looking for a place that on forums or online or talking to people that say you're not going to run into people it's just not going to happen <laughs> ever you know no matter what state you're hunting um but you've done it before what what suggestions when people are kind of looking into where they want to go what they might encounter when they get there, any, in, uh, you know, suggestions or tips that you can give someone when they start that kind of planning for this upcoming fall out of state? Yeah, it's tough. One of, one of the big things that I struggle with out of state is access. Um, so, you know, you, you're, you're looking at a property within an area and you think it has potential. So now you're starting to figure out, okay, where can I park? Where can I get in there legally and then how do I move about it? Um, I mean, anybody could park at a parking area and walk in on a trail, but you know, you, you know, from hunting experience that that's what everybody else is doing. So I always tried to find those kind of backdoor, um, possible ways to kind of get into a different part of the area. Um, but it, it's bitten me in the ass a lot of times. Um, I remember I'm trying to think which state I was in. I think I was actually in, crap, which state was that? Maryland. Uh, turkey, it was actually turkey hunting though. And from the map, it looked like, oh yeah, I can get, I can get in at all these, at all these points and I'll just come in from the top because I knew it, all the parking areas were down below. Everybody was coming from down below. And I drove around and like, you know, all these roads were gated. They were all through where it looks like, you know, it's private property, but there's a road that goes up and then it abuts the public land. And guess what? You know, Jim Bob, the farmer has a gate across and you can't get in there. Um, and I ended up parking at like these cell towers and just like dropping over this steep, steep mountain. And, uh, it was something I never, like, I was actually like, it was a dumb idea just because of the way the mountain was covered in rock and it was dark and it was nasty, but I'm sidetracking here a little bit, but just, um, that's, that part I struggled with was trying to get so clever 
that I was backing myself into a corner. Um, and half the time when I'm doing this, I've never stepped foot there. And a lot of times we're go- you're going in the dark. Um, there's been plenty of times I had my climber on my back and I'm just stuck in thick, nasty stuff because I thought it was going to be a great idea to go a different way and come off of the path. <laughs> um, and it's hit or miss. So I guess my advice is if you have to, if you want to scout an area, I would definitely suggest just taking the morning off and scouting it. Um, I tried too many times trying to give myself tree, tree time and just hiking in the dark. And one, I'm getting some stupid decision-making um, or getting some nasty stuff, or I just end up blowing that area apart anyway, just trying to get in there. And it doesn't make much sense. Um, but two would definitely be to analyze the, the people pressure. Um, one of the biggest successes to me is getting away from the people and trying to understand what they're doing. Um, a lot of times here, if I, if I'm not out for rifle, I'm looking at where people are parked during rifle season. So I know, you know, come next year where that pressure is coming in at. Um, so it's just things like that. You can use your woodsmanship to break down the area once you're in there. But I think the, the biggest overlooked thing is to try and analyze the people pressure and the access that is available to you. There's definitely some, some places that have been um, rewarding to me that probably were not of normal practice as far as trying to get access into the area. Um, you can even ask for permission through properties to get to the back of a public property. Some people will grant that even though you're not even hunting their property, they might just say, yeah, you could just park there and walk through, right. you know, that's happened to be before. Um, but that, that in and of itself is huge. Everybody give, uh, Tim is off and on on social media. He does it the right way, I guess I, I should say. <laughs> um, but when he's on, he's, uh, Eastern, uh, what is it? Back country. Yes, sir. There you go. Give him, make sure you give him a follow and just a wealth of knowledge. Check him out on all different types of podcasts he's been on. And, um, we're, we're really lucky to, to call him a good friend and, and, uh, definitely check him out. So Tim, appreciate you, buddy. Uh, coming on, dude. Can't wait to see it. Thank you guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll see you in a couple of weeks already. Yeah. How about it? So, all right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Antler up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler up podcast. Again, thank you everybody for tuning in. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and our go wild pages. Thank you again, everybody for all the continued support. See you next week. Antler up.